Hello and welcome to Page Parlay. This is the show where we speak to the authors whose work we read on scintillating stories. Today we are speaking to Rebecca Reed about her delightful ghost story. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Um, so, how long have you been writing for? Oh, since I got a little pencil, I think. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and just before that, I always kind of made up stories in my head anyway, I suppose. It's kind of the only thing I was good at for, for a good few years. Um, I'm absolutely allergic to numbers, so mm-hmm. useful at maths. Mm-hmm. Um, useful at art. I always wanted to draw, but I just don't have the visual-spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, English has always been a passion. Well, you can't be good at everything, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> So do you have a particular genre that you enjoy writing or do you like to dabble? Good question. Um, mostly I like to dabble generally, but mm. I would say that in terms of I have a few key themes that I keep kind of coming back to. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically I would say it's kind of slice of life stuff, mm. um, usually with like a twist of fantasy, a twist of something a bit supernatural, mm-hmm. um, but mainly focusing on kind of close relationships between people, um, mm. family relationships, kind of close platonic friendships, really. Mm. I suppose aimed at the young adult market, so my characters are normally teens of their early 20s. I suppose that's a time and, a, and an age of great change. I read a quote somewhere that was like, most of the basic material a writer works with is, requi- is acquired before age 15. <laughs> which, <laughs> I, mean, I kind of agree with that, I kind of don't. But um, I know for myself, my teenage years were a really memorable time in my life both for good and bad reasons and I think I'm kind of drawn perpetually drawn back to that that mm-hmm. time um and those feelings because of that yeah um, that, that makes sense a, a period of well, intense emotions mm. and I think your your experience of life or my experience of life certainly at that time was just so heightened because so much was new so much of the world you're just kind of discovering for the first time and the things about yourself you're discovering for the first time. Mm. You know, music, movies, books have so much meaning as well <laughs> in helping you, mm-hmm. I suppose, navigate the world. Yes, each piece of creation is a bit like an author saying, here's how I see the world. It might help mm. you. And sometimes that's great and sometimes that's not so great. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it makes sense to no one but you. And that's kind of when you know you've you've hit a bit of a wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, completely. I think uh, there have been a few authors who've been a little bit guilty of that. Uh, it's like, oh, I I was fascinated by my drug trip, but I wonder if anyone else will be. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Oh man. So. This story, uh, the, uh, um, in, in particular, uh, the uh, the ghost story, what led you to writing in that sort of theme? It was actually kind of a, a two-stranded thing. Um, so first of all, it was me kind of, I suppose, thinking back over my history and personal history and thinking of um, kind of key individuals in my life mm-hmm. who had impacted me in very memorable ways, both mm-hmm. good and bad. The cumulative impact that had on me becoming the person I am today. Mm-hmm. That just kind of led into, I suppose, thinking about the echoes and the, I suppose that people leave behind in your life and the way that it's almost like the ghost of that person is still in your life in some way. Mm-hmm. And that because they've had such a strong impact, either for good or bad, they're just kind of always, always there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I have a bit of a funny relationship with the past in general. It tends to haunt me for, <laughs> for good or for bad. Um, 
And then I was listening to this song by um, the artist Paris, uh, My House, about, obviously, taken in, in numerous different ways, but the mm. idea that someone is basically trying to get a person or potentially the memory, the, the ghost of that person to leave their house, leave their life, leave them alone. Yes. Um, and the, the kind of, I suppose, the, the struggles that we have with that, and some of it's not so much exercising those ghosts as making peace with them, mm. is often the uh, best way you can you can find to deal with that sort of stuff. Um, mm. So, yeah, that, that was kind of the the inspirational mix that, that it came out of, and it just kind of grew arms and legs from there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, that that makes a lot of sense. When I was reading the story, to, it felt uh, there was something awfully familiar about it, and not because I'd read it before, but it had this almost fairy tale or folk tale feel to it—a very sort of not not childish, but something you might have heard when you were a child. I suppose I try and write in a way for myself when I was younger, the kind of thing I would have wanted to read or would have been helpful to read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be as broadly relatable to everyone really as possible, not be stuck in a certain referential mould, if that makes sense. Like, mm. the ghosts that we talk about, they could be literal ghosts, they could be metaphorical ghosts, mm. um, they can all kind of stand for, for different things. So I sort of wanted the reader to, I suppose, take what they what resonated with them from the story, if that makes sense, or to kind of see their own experiences in the work, I suppose, in a way that would allow it to resonate. Um, Completely. It's it's almost like you're in a collaboration with their imagination. Mm, mm, that's a great way of putting it. That was, <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. It might be a silly question, but do you believe in the supernatural or that there might be such a thing as a ghost? Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, I would say I have experienced at least one one episode of something supernatural in, in my own life. That's um, so exciting. Would you mind sharing it? Uh, yeah, it's it's really not that exciting. <laughs> but um, I, I cannot find any other explanation for it other than there was a ghost in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one time, and I'm in my parents' house at the moment, and this is where this, this happens. It's quite an old house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was downstairs this one time, and my dad was out. And mum was in the living room with her friend. So there's myself, the friend, mum, in the house, no one else. Mm. And it was late at night. And I could hear my mum and her friend talking in the living room, like at the other end of the house. Mm. I go into the kitchen. And I was standing by the countertop just doing something. And clear as day, I heard behind me somebody go, hey, and then clap their hands. Uh-huh. And it sounded like a little boy. <laughs> there is no way that a child of any description could have been in the house at the time. Uh-huh. Because we're, like, miles out in the country. Yeah. So where has this random child appeared from? And there's nothing, no one, nothing by me. Yeah. But I didn't imagine it. Mm-hmm. I was completely sober. Mm. Like, th- there was no other explanation I can find for that happening. That is fascinating. So- that's very interesting because it's not even like sometimes people go, oh, I heard a whisper or I thought I saw something. And you could kind of say, well, I guess that could be explainable by you hearing things. But like a clap, especially like a voice and a clap, that's a very unusual thing. Definitely. Well, that's, it sounded exactly like a little kid that wanted you to come play with them. Wow. It was just like standing behind me. <laughs> that's... And I'm just like, okay. 
That's really weird. <laughs> All right, child. For a second, when uh, when you said a hey and a clap, part of me was thinking, is that some, uh, is that a lady that's like, hey, what are you doing in my kitchen? Get out. <laughs> Which, I, <laughs> if I was coming back from, the, if I was hanging around and I thought I was still alive, then I might be like, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> <At my house. laughs> Oi, <laughs> why are you cooking? Why are you cooking like that? Oh, move over, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, I think I, I saw a post somewhere. It was it was a brilliant idea that what if you you your house was haunted, but it was just a really helpful ghost. So you. <laughs> <laughs> so you look up at the mirror and in like red, it looks like red dripping blood. It just says, you need more toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It's like, thanks, Mary. But could you, could next time, could you at least do it in toothpaste or something? I don't know. <laughs> Ghosts are one of those things that pop up in all sorts of different cultures uh, across the world. It's it, it, a bit like dragons in that way. Every culture seems to have a dragon. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all cultures have ghosts. I wonder if that's... Maybe it comes from like this, a shared idea of an afterlife or religion, but I, I always think it says a lot about a, a community, the kind of ghosts they have, if you know what I mean. Mm, definitely. Yeah, or just the culture in general. Yeah, and I guess it tells you a lot about what they consider to be a bad death or or a good death, you know. Mm. Or the things that tie us to life, even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was. If you were looking at it from an anthropological perspective, it would be absolutely fascinating. So, with that in mind, what do you think the types of ghosts that are in your main character's house? What What do you think they say about them? It's kind of difficult to put a put a definitive answer on that. Of course, yeah. It's written to be, it's written to kind of almost take the reader's own experiences and, and embody them. Um, mm. Obviously, I, I have my own kind of interpretation of what each one stands for in my life, but um, mm. I suppose very broadly, there's one that kind of represents major trauma, which mm. sounds very dramatic, but um, so... Yeah, the the ghost in the attic, for example. Oh yes. Is, yeah, very much. Certainly for me, when I wrote that, I wrote it to be uh, someone who hurt me very badly, and that I hope I never see again. Yeah. Um. So, but that can kind of be extended to just, I suppose, embody that. The woman in the kitchen and the man in the living room. I suppose they're sort of like almost the archetypical negative, kind of inner critic kind of, uh, well, the woman is the inner critic and the man is like the low self-esteem that results from the inner critic, I suppose. That makes a lot of sense. It's also, obviously that it's not quite the same, but it's almost, it's so interesting that the inner critic is in the kitchen. The kitchen could be cons considered the heart of the house. It has all sorts of in implications about how deep-rooted our insecurities are. That's very true. I, I never thought of it like that. Right. <laughs> ah, ha, ha. I shall write a thesis on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be honoured. <laughs> I do think that's really interesting about ghosts and stories in particular. I definitely always have a double meaning. There's, there's mm. in, in real life, you know, ghostly spiritual experiences probably could mean lots of things, but I feel like in stories, ghosts are never just one thing. They, they're... They could represent a history, a memory, or a guilt, even, you know. The boy and the girl that live on the upper floor with their cat. Yes. Um, 
I find them interesting in the sense that you've kind of got these very positive figures and then you've kind of got the rest of them are very negative. The kind of positive qualities that, that drive us, the things that we hope for, the things that we love. I think in a way they're kind of a distillation of everything that probably ends up in my writing in some way or another. They're a hopeful young people kind of doing everything they can to escape crummy circumstances and mostly succeeding. <laughs> That's a very positive look outlook on life. I really like that. I'd rather read a story where people persevering, taking chances or, you know, trying their best was at le- maybe not even in the story itself, but at least on some level rewarded. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree 110%. Like, I've always felt like if there was no hope, like, what's the point? Like... Mm. In, my own, in my own writing, certainly, you know, I, yeah, I, sometimes I'll put my characters through hell and they'll get, a bit, they'll get a bit bashed up by circumstances. But the one thing I will never write, I will never write a sad ending. <laughs> Excellent. I, I can't stand them. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it'll be a hard one happy ending and it might be slightly bittersweet. Sacrifices will have been made, but my God, the ending will be happy. People will get some deserving justice. <laughs> <laughs> You get your just desserts. Apple pie. (laughs) When you're getting ready to write a story, do you ever do, uh, or do you do much research at all? Is it, or is it more of a lived experiences type thing? Uh, Very much depends what I'm writing about. Hmm. Um, Generally, because of the the kind of stuff I write, most of it comes from lived experience of myself or of people I've known. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes my own experiences, sometimes I'm putting myself into the shoes of people I know. I'm trying to imagine, like, what they must have felt when X happened. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, I do do research, but it's normally for really specific, weirdly esoteric things. Like, mm-hmm. I once wrote a story, and it was, like, set in the American Civil War era. I must have spent about a day researching all the different types of heavy uh, artillery that were used during that time. I learned an awful lot about um, 19th century heavy weaponry it was fascinating any research i do tends to be kind of oh i don't know about this really hyper specific thing that i need to reference in this scene let me go away and do five hours research (laughs) (laughs) yep i completely um i think for me that that, uh, i get often get the fear of getting it wrong (laughs) Mm. (laughs) it's also a great excuse to procrastinate oh yeah completely (laughs) i am a huge fan of judy salander's catcher in the rye Oh, very interesting. Um, which, yeah, people are always like, that's such an interesting book to have as a favourite. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I read it I read it when I was 13. So it was like, it was saying everything that I was thinking but couldn't say at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, th- I think I take a lot of inspiration from, like, his embodiment of a teenager when he wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> Garth Nix is another huge inspiration oh, in terms yes. of, like, I just, I adore his approach to fantasy. I adore how he just kind of, when he builds worlds, it's like every tiny little thing is thought out and kind of just recalibrated to fit into the world he's created. Mm. So it's simultaneously completely foreign and yet it feels so familiar because Mm. he spends so much time just crafting um, Mm. his descriptions of, of these worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, in a very understandable way I thought because I, I, I read uh, some of his books when I was a teenager and I he he, he'd, he managed to make me feel smart without confusing me <laughs> 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 if, if you know what I mean like it was a lot I to do. yeah yeah I love that description <laughs> <laughs> 
do you think that this story has might have a message for the reader? I would probably say it's about yeah, kind of learning to make peace with your demons. Mm. I suppose the dualities in yourself or mm. the, the different facets in yourself, yeah. and also maybe the importance of that in the context of a romantic relationship, in the sense that you don't have to be like this perfect, flawless, undamaged human mm. in order to have a good relationship. <laughs> the image of this uh, this person moving in and they've got all of their ghosts sitting in box on top of their moving boxes. I love that. It just I I I thought it was such a it was such a wonderful image. I could see it perfectly when I read it. It was like a little tableau. And I, I think that's also a really good metaphor for a relationship in general, you know, bringing people talk about baggage, but I think ghosts are a much more pertinent metaphor for that. The frustration of being a ghost and not able to do anything really for yourself but that you're kind of resigned to it because you've just been this way for so long. So I could almost see them like <laughs> knitting or waiting with just the grub, like checking their watches. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that was very much the kind of image I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fact that they're, yeah, they're being dragged along in the wake of this person who's moving into the house. Yeah. And they don't really have any say. They're just like, okay, we're going here now. Right, <laughs> fine, great. It's almost like... You know, when writers talk about how their characters just run off and the writer runs after them on a notebook, kind of just <laughs> frantically scribbling, yes. helpless to control anything that's happening. Um, I, I very much subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters just do what they want and say what they want. The story goes in the direction it goes in, and I'm just there, like, okay, I'm recording all this. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. there's there, there, that seems to be very much uh, a common train of thought for some people. I think. There are, there are sort of two schools of, of authors, the, the, the journalists almost, the kind who are recording these wonderful worlds that play themselves out. And then <laughs> I'm reminded of Douglas Adams said that uh, I, it was something like, I, I don't write... Uh, I, I don't write at my typewriter. I, b- I bash my head on the keys until the blood forms the words. <laughs> and it felt so true because... It was this moment of the the work that goes into writing can often be very emotionally taxing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just, I think it's, it can be draining on every level, really. Mm-hmm. Do you um do you think there are some ing- ingredients to a good story? Definitely character. Mm. I mean, I'm biased in the sense that I enjoy character driven media more mm. than plot driven media. Mm-hmm. Um, I need an emotional connection. The best way to get that is, is through character. But I would always say that a bad plot can be salvaged by good characters. Mm-hmm. But lousy characters will ruin the best plot mm-hmm. ever. I think probably the, the, the number one ingredient is to believe in what you're doing, believe in what you're writing, mm-hmm. um, believe in the message that you're trying to impart, that it's um, yeah, that it's, it's valuable, it needs to be said, if that's what happens in the story and you feel like this is what you're passionate about um, writing, that's the mm. the number one thing. Because um, mm. even if even if it's like you don't have a fantastic plot or a particularly interesting plot, um, if you have that real commitment to the story, commitment mm. to the characters, and that real passion when you write the thing, that mm. will come through to the reader. 
Yes, I, I completely agree. I feel like a good author can make anything interesting. Uh. It, it it gets very frustrating when when you hear some people say this has to happen in a story, otherwise it's boring. Like uh, somebody said once, um, uh, married cu- married couples are boring. You can't write a story about married couples, and that's just blatantly not true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. If it's if it's a gen- if they're genuinely like they go well together, they love each other, they have a really strong history together, mm. and the relationship is compelling, then it, there's no reason that it can't be written about. It shouldn't be written about. Mm. You can you can literally make anything into an, a truly excellent story. It's it, it even if nothing happens in the story, if as long as the journey was good, it's it's a bit of fun. Yeah. Absolutely, <clears throat> but equally saying, like you said, a bad bad writing can make anything boring. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, do you think you have any advice for maybe younger writers or maybe people who are just starting getting into writing? Believe in yourself, and yeah, just hold on to that passion that you have for mm. for writing, mm. um, the passion you have for your story passion after your characters like the thing that got you writing in the first place that is the number one thing you need to hold on to and nurture and grow mm. that kind of indefinable urge to just start putting words on paper mm-hmm. you can be like Stephen King levels of successful and you will still be terrified every time you sit down and you know start painting the walls instead of writing because you're like I just don't want to do it right now <laughs> um that is fine that is normal uh best antidote I found for that is just promise yourself you're going to do just 10 minutes mm. and then inevitably you will be there for three hours. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's worth doing. You know, even if you think, oh, no one will ever read this or no one will ever care. Like, mm. if it matters to you, that is the only criteria you need to, to do it mm. and to really devote time to it. Because um, if, it, if it matters, it matters, basically. Um yeah, and also just read read a lot, read things that you enjoy, mm. um, and just practice. I mean, I've had people say to me, like, oh, you're such an amazing writer, I could never, I don't think I'm amazing, but they do, um, <laughs> like, I, I could never be as good as you. And I'm like, well, I've been doing this since I was, I've been doing it since I was, but they could hold the pencil mm. off and on. Mm. I've been seriously trying to write novels since I was 12. Though mm-hmm. so any kind of capacity that I, that I have for it, it a lot of it is practice. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, just keep writing, keep going, and hmm. ignore anyone who says that you can't, shouldn't, whatever. Hmm. They're just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> that I That is a really positive and uplifting message, much like most of your writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for listening. You can see more of Rebecca's work at Jabberwookie Magazine. I'll provide a link to their website in the show notes. If you have a story you'd like us to read, then contact us through our Facebook page and subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production.